good Wednesday morning to you. You can check out my new website, Peter John Corson. I guess appropriately named if you want. I'll be writing a new article today. And the subject is going to be God's grace. Thank you for tuning in to Rogue Grace. Man, wow, do I need unmerited, undeserved favor. Do not ever pray, God, give me what I deserve. Do not pray that. Pray instead that God would give you his grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. That's what I need. That's what you need. And so, you know, I think one of the great places that grace was first articulated in this era of the church. Well, it's not even this era any longer, but a a guy named C.H. Spurgeon gave some incredible sermons on grace. So if you're ever just kind of cruising around on the web looking for sermons or Christian exposition, check him out. I would recommend him put Spurgeon and then put Grace and uh, in your search, in your website, and you will be blessed. I don't think I'm the only one that would say that either. <laughs> So come on out tonight, we have our Wednesday night Bible study, and um, I'm really looking forward to going into the book of Song of Solomon. Well, we did that last week, and somehow, my dad, I don't know, I, I, I still marvel at this, he was able to go through the first few chapters of Song of Solomon without any, how do I say this, without any um, provocative (laughs) or tense or awkward moments. He somehow was able to skip the entire metaphorical insight of Song of Solomon when it comes to, you know, uh, not just love, but love, if you know what I mean. And he went into it with us looking at Jesus, the son of God. So kudos to dad on that. Not saying that everyone should do that, or that's how it always should be taught, but kudos to him for pulling that off for sure. So I have no idea what tonight holds. I don't know what his mentality or his strategy is going to be. You have to come out and find out. I don't know. You might go all, um, 
you know, Princess Bride on us. I have no idea. So we will be in God's word, though. And God's word never returns void. Plus, when you have a great preacher like my pops, it again never returns void. So we have some things to talk about here today on this Wednesday of Rogue Grace when it comes to what I want to talk to you about on this Wednesday morning is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. What it means that we are a new creation. Not just New Testament. I'm talking the new creation found in the old covenant. That it's revealed to us. That it's not only hinted at but foretold. For it says in Isaiah chapter 61, you you, you know this scripture well, verse 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Providing for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, as I've noted before, Jesus here puts a period where Isaiah the prophet had placed a comma, so to speak, at least in the English language, which he didn't write in as far as I know. <laughs> but here in Isaiah 61, we read that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, comma, the day of vengeance of our Lord. Well, Jesus preached on this very passage in the gospel of Luke. But he stopped where it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He did not read the rest of that particular sentence, the day of the vengeance of our God. He stopped. He closed the book. (laughs) He puts a period where Isaiah had put a comma. He closed the book on law and judgment. Once again, that's established on the mountain where Elijah didn't shine. And this time Moses didn't shine. They stepped aside. They were servants of Jesus. Well, 
Here in Isaiah, we read about the liberty that we are now given. And when you keep in mind that that this liberty is spoken of by Jesus in terms of the fact that he doesn't finish that last sentence, the day of vengeance, I'm not saying that that is now null or void. I'm saying Jesus fulfilled that in our place. And so he talks about liberty in the prophet Isaiah does, that the Messiah is going to bring, the, the son of David is going to bring to us. And that word liberty is interesting there in Isaiah 61, verse 1 to verse 3, because that same word is used for jubilee in the book of Leviticus. And not only will he bring us liberty or jubilee, I like that word, but captivity, he will release us from, Isaiah 61 says. That word captivity means to send away. To send away. The remission of sin literally means to send away sin. And so he says, this is the acceptable year that comes from Yahweh, from the Lord. And then you read about this day of vengeance, like I stated, that Jesus doesn't quote. What's interesting in this text of Isaiah is this day of vengeance. It says comes from Elohim, from God, right? The day of vengeance of our God, of our Elohim but the acceptable year. Same verse, Isaiah 61, verse 2, comes from the Lord, Yahweh. I love that. Elohim has his day of vengeance, justice, righteousness, but he is not only your Elohim, he is also Yahweh to us, which means vengeance, justice, has been fulfilled and now he has for us liberty. He has for us taking away of captivity. So the word of God is great, isn't it? I mean, here's a guy like me, right? Still Recovering from brain surgery, probably never really will recover because my brain was and is what it was and is, which is brain dead. Not just mine, though, yours, too. I don't mean to insult you. I mean, (laughs) we're all fallen. We're all broken. So anyways, here I am. And the Lord is still speaking to my heart from Isaiah 61 after I've read it all of these years. Thank you, Lord, that you have liberty for me. Thank you that you have taken vengeance, not on me, but upon yourself in my place. Thank you for Jesus, right? Thank you. 
that you put a period instead of a comma where it says that the year of our Lord, I love that. It says that the year of our Lord in Isaiah 61 has been fulfilled and is a favor. And then Jesus doesn't even quote the day of vengeance of our God. Not to say, again, that there is no day of vengeance. It's to say Jesus took on that day of vengeance in my place. So the least I can do now is to want to and pray for the anointing to live for him. Wouldn't you agree? I know you would. And I know that he wants to heal us. He wants to direct us. He has and will provide for us. But it's not just that he gives those things. He is those things, right? All glory and power to his name. Yahweh, the Lord who saves. Jesus. Yahweh is with us. So, when you read through the scriptures, here's what you can do. Me too. Either you can read what you must do, or you can read it through the lens, the perspective of what God has done. Now, I I know the Bible does instruct us what to do, even in the New Testament. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that or read it that way. But if you will look at all of the New Testament epistles, for example, you will always see in the writings of Paul, without exception, how he establishes strongly what Jesus Christ has done before he ever gets to what the Christians should do. Even in Galatians, he he starts castigating, ripping on the Christians in in certain sense. But it's because they weren't accepting the free gift of grace. May you, if you have a hard time, receiving grace, receiving the love of God, may you have the Holy Spirit allow you to lighten up and enjoy what Jesus Christ has already done. Why? Because he receives the glory. He deserves the praise. Not me. Not you. It's him. Wow, Lord. What a calling. What a vocation you've given me. 
here on KAPL this morning to say, not unto us, Lord, but unto you be the glory. Get our eyes off ourselves, Lord, and let us put our eyes upon you, the Son of the living God. Because the more I put my eyes on him, the more I will be like him, walk with him, act in the same way he acts, right? And so it's not a matter of me having to, to um, so much discipline myself, but just to focus on Jesus. And day by day, yeah, it seems like sometimes ever so slowly, yet faithfully, he shapes me and molds you and makes us more like him. No wonder why then Peter was able to walk on the waves when his eyes were not on his own feet, when his eyes were on Jesus. When my eyes, when I'm focused on my walk or my spirituality I begin to sink when I'm simply beholding and marveling and admiring and worshiping Jesus for who he is and what he has done. I walk on things that previously I sunk in. (laughs) You know how that works. You know that this is true. We'll be right back. They force you back under those covers Lazy mornings they multiply Glory's waiting outside your window Wig on up from your slumber They open up your eyes Tongues are violent Personal and focused Tough to be with your steady mind Hearts are stronger Slumber, they open up in your eyes. All these victims standing like old comes that fall from the table, just enough to get by. All the while, your invitation, wait on up from your slumber, they open up in your eyes. Wait on up from your slumber, they open up in your eyes. Slumber, baby, open up your eyes. Oh, 
is good to confess um, our sin to God. And, and one reason for that is because when we confess our sin, we know how much we need his grace. When I'm not confessing my sin, when I'm just assuming even rightly believing that it's forgiven so I don't confess it. That sense of relief from his grace is not as strong, is not as present as when I do confess my sin to God. You know, we don't confess our sin to the Lord because he doesn't know what we've done. Obviously, we confess our sin to the Lord because then we know how gracious he is to us. Because then we know how much we need his grace. See? So that's the power of confession. As I confess my sin... I know how much I need his grace and it allows me to marvel at his grace, enjoy his grace, because why? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, right? So that means when I am confessing my sin, his grace is abounding. I'm like, it's like putting the quarter into the gumball machine, right? The quarter is my confession. The gumball is his grace. I confess my sin and out comes his grace. Oh, Lord, you're so gracious to me. When I acted like this or said that or thought the other, you're so patient. You're so generous. Wow. 
No wonder why where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Because when I confess my sin, I feel, I sense I'm relieved by his grace. To me, that's really one of the great aspects, the powerful things about confessing our sin to the Lord. So if you are not feeling the, the, the joy or the, the gladness of his grace this morning on this cloudy, rainy Wednesday, ironically, it could be that it's time for you to confess your sin to God and see, feel, sense that where sin abounds, Grace abounds even more. His burden is easy. His load, it is light.
the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. For to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Don't you love that? Here in Ephesians. Why should you walk worthy, live worthy of the calling? Why should you bear with other people in love? Make every effort to keep unity because to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Because you have received grace, do these things. See? And then he writes here in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self. Now, I would like to make a note with you for your thought. He doesn't say put off the old man. By old man, I don't mean your pop. But in Romans chapter 7, the old man, the old nature. But here he says just put off the old self. Put off the behavior of that old man. That old man is dead, but he still can behave. He can still somehow pop up, can't he? Even though he's dead, like a zombie or something. And in Ephesians here, how does it say to put off the behavior of the old, the old self? Not by willpower. Here in Ephesians, it doesn't say by fasting or discipline. No, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I love that. And here in Paul's writing, that means to start seeing yourself as a new creation. It's kind of like, have you ever been on a boat where I have there on the coast? You're... The the boat goes up and down. You're on like a a tourist boat or some kind of fishing boat or something. I don't last very long on those. I have to admit, I'm sorry. I'm not proud of that either. But you get off the boat and you're still walking on the sidewalk or, or the land and you're still rolling because your mind is still rolling over something you're no longer in. In the same way, that's kind of like what Paul is saying. 
don't continue rolling. Don't let your mind roll in something that you're no longer in. You are no longer under. You're no longer in that old self. But now you are renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, the problem is, I think, when we remember the things of old, instead of dwelling on yesterday, the things that are old, instead we say, that's the old creation. It's passed away. Now all things are made new. Don't consider the things of old. It's over. Embrace what is new, right? Well, I appreciate your prayers for me. I'm feeling a little under the weather today. So I'm going to go ahead pretty soon here in a moment and sign off. And the Lord is once again going to restore my health and my strength. So I'm looking forward to that very much. It always feels good to feel good, <laughs> right? So you can keep me in your prayers when you think about it today. But I'll be all right. I'll, I'm planning on being at church tonight with you guys. So I'm just kind of feeling it today. Sometimes that happens to me. I'll go a few days, maybe even a week or two. And feeling great. And then all of a sudden, boom. That old brain surgery I had starts to creep in again. So thank you for your prayers. Thoughts. I'm like you. Taking it one day at a time. I'm glad Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Because I literally (laughs) feels like can't think about tomorrow. So I'm in it for today. May he even come back today, right? So if the Lord does not come back today, I'm planning on talking to you tomorrow. And also I'm planning on logging on my new website, Peter John Corson. Um, So if you're on the computer, you might want to check that out as well. All of our podcasts are on there. And my sermons are on there. My book is there. Kind of cool stuff. So, God bless you. And may, actually, I want to pray for you before I sign off. Father, for anyone who is right now listening to this radio, it might be on the background or in the car, I, I don't know, but may they hear this prayer because it's prayed in the name of Jesus. May you give each of us the strength we need for this day to walk in your ways, to rest in your grace. Lord, may you give us the opportunity to serve and bless others. Show us how we can do that practically and in simplicity. Lord, as we open your word tonight, would you bless it into our souls Would your word build up our faith? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.